Come on, let there be a lifting of the voices in this house. A great God deserves a great praise. Come on, Jesus Church. Let there be a lifting of the voices in this house. A great God deserves a great praise. just a moment, I'm going to welcome Evangelist Herring to this pulpit, but I feel that we need to press one more time as a body together. We need to press just one more time as a body together. So I want you to find yourself a little bit of space. Take a deep breath. Because I don't want to move forward until there is absolute liberty in this spirit in this house. So that whatever that word is that's about to come forth, we are ready to receive it in this place. I want you to fix your mind on Jesus Christ right now. I want you to think about what he has done for you where he has brought you from, what he has brought you out of. Uh, I know that there are, may have been those that have been sick, maybe you didn't sleep well, uh, but I want you to push past the discomfort of your flesh here for the next couple of moments uh, and to press in, uh, because I can guarantee you, when you press into the presence of Jesus Christ, your tiredness is going to fade away. Uh, your, your weakness in body is going to fade away. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm going to do something I don't do very often. I'm going to count down from three and at the top of our lungs we are going to shout thank you Jesus and then I want you to offer him a praise with everything that you have in this place can we do that together in this house three two one Come on, praise him like you're thankful. Uh, praise him like he set you free. Uh, praise him like he delivered you. Uh, praise him like he washed away your sins. Uh, praise him like he took away your depression. Uh, praise him like he took your fear. Uh, praise him like he took uh, your anxiety. Uh, praise him. Never be able to offer to him praise that equals the level of what he's he's done for me. That doesn't mean I'm not gonna try. 
I, I can never shout enough. I can never dance enough. I could never lift my hands high enough. I could never clap my hands hard enough. But I sure want him to know that I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. Amen. I'm so excited to have with us Evangelist Herring today. And uh, we have been impacted by his word here at Jesus Church or by the word of God through him. And I believe he has not taken this moment lightly but comes today having sought the mind of God for you for this moment right now. If you're thankful for a man of God that would come all the way to frigid South Dakota and you're thankful for the God of the man, would you put your hands together as Evangelist Caleb comes today. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord? You know, I'm one of those people that believe when you get in the presence of God, anything can happen. And when I say anything, I really do mean anything. I don't mean just touching your ingrown toenail. I mean healing your cancer, too. I mean, he can really do anything. Anybody believe that's the kind of God that you serve? Amen. I, um, I want to echo what Brother Chemist has said, Pastor Chemist. This is frigid South Dakota, and uh, I'm from Louisiana. It doesn't get quite as cold as it does here, and so I'm trying my best to stay warm. Thank God for heat in the house of the Lord. Good heaters that work, praise God. I give honor to the leadership of this great church, and I love the Chemist family, Pastor Chemist, and Bishop Brown and, and his wonderful wife and all of their kids and my friend Brother Flores and his, his wife and their children doing such a tremendous job in uh, plowing and digging and having revival in South Dakota. And South Dakota is having revival. South Dakota is having revival. I, uh, I will say that from the last time I was here um, and hope you understand what I mean when I say this, but it feels different. It feels different here today, and it's a, it's a good different. There's a, there's a strength here. There's a faith here. There's an excitement here. There's a, there's a momentum here that I feel that I, I didn't feel last time, and, and I really believe here over the next few days, we're just going to find the vein of the Holy Ghost, and we're just going to plow and each service is going to build upon the last one. And we're going to let God do what God wants to do. Is that all right? All right. If you have your Bibles, I want to go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 28. Genesis 1 and verse 28. I didn't give the media this, but actually let's go to... Uh, verse 27, we'll start with verse 27, and again, what an honor it is to be here, the room, the gift basket, uh, all of that is just tremendous, and I do count it an honor to be here, Genesis 1 and 27, the Bible says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, 
created he them. Now I know that you might think that I'm reading that because of the agenda uh, that is being pushed so heavily today. And that is the case, that's a given, but for some clarity on where we're going, it said male and female created he them in this moment. That it said male and female created he them is not the moment that he created both male and female. And so God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Everybody say dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. This was before Eve was brought into the equation. Now I want to go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 19. Genesis 2 and verse 19. And out of the ground... The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. So Adam had all of this dominion. And he had authority over all of these things, but he did not have a bride. He did not have a wife. And now let's look at where Eve is brought into the equation. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep. Look at that. This is important for where we're going. It did not say that Adam fell asleep. It said that the Lord caused Adam to go into a deep sleep. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And final verse, verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Again, I want to reiterate that there was a period where only Adam was existing and he had all of this dominion. But there were some things that Adam could not do until he had a bride. And so I want to talk to you about the body and the bride of Christ. The body and the bride of Christ. I've been in prayer for some time for this church the leadership of this church, and since the last time I was here, uh, I feel that my spirit has just been yoked with this church in heaven's prayer room, and so I do have clear direction this morning for this church, and I just want to know that there's a church that's going to lock in with me, help me preach and flow in the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? If you would, lay your Bibles down, every hand raised, every voice lifted, every eye closed. Let this place thunder with the prayers of the saints.
Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. The body and the bride of Christ. We understand that in the Old Testament, that was a time before God was manifest in the flesh. And the Bible says that a spirit has not flesh and bones. So the writer of Hebrews said that a body had to be prepared for him. The reason that a body had to be prepared for him was so that a bride could be purchased by him. Jesus was begotten before he was betrothed. He had a body before he had a bride and This plays out in the New Testament church because when you look at the New Testament church, when you consider the nature that God has given us as his people, you realize with observation that the apostolic church has two natures. We have the nature of the body of Christ, but we also have the nature of the bride of Christ. As the body of Christ, we are militant. But as the bride of Christ, we are motherly. As the body of Christ, we have dominion. But as the bride of Christ, we deliver things. As the body of Christ, we break down strongholds. But as the bride of Christ, we birth things in the spirit. Uh, We have a dual nature. It is not one or the other. It is both and. And we understand that Jesus was the last man, Adam. Paul made it very clear that the first man, Adam, was of the earth, earthy. But the last man, Adam, was the Lord from heaven. The first man, Adam, got it wrong, but the last man, Adam, got it right. And everything that the first man, Adam, lost in the garden, the last man, Adam, came to recover. Aren't you thankful here today that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory? And the apostolic church is not anointed with the anointing of the first Adam. We are anointed with the anointing of the last Adam. We are not anointed with an anointing that bears defeat. We are anointed with an anointing that bears victory. Aren't you thankful here today? You're part of the church of the living God. So we have a dual nature. We have the nature of the body of Christ, but we also have the nature of of the bride of Christ. And when you look at Adam and you look at the life of Jesus, you see so many comparisons. You see so many parallels and similarities uh, that can be drawn between the first man, Adam, the last man, Adam. When you look at the first man, Adam, the Bible says that out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. And every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. 
I didn't have plans on saying this, but I just want to hear the voice of God and repeat the voice of God. It did not say that Adam had to go and get those animals. It said that the Lord brought those animals to him. And the nature of some of those animals was vicious. The nature of some of those animals were violent. There are things that this church has been faced with since this church was born, since this church was conceived. And it is nothing that you went looking for, but it is things that the Lord has brought to you and made you face. And the enemy has tried to label what you have been faced with, but the Holy Ghost just spoke to me behind this pulpit and said, God has given this church the authority to name what you have been faced with. You get to decide if it ends in victory or if it ends in defeat. You get to decide if it ends with division or if it ends in unity. You get to decide if it ends in revival or if it ends in a church falling apart. I want to know, is there anybody in this house that will open up your mouth and begin to call things that are not as though they already were? So Adam called every living creature, and that was the name of the, thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. I want you to understand a few things here. It said that the Lord brought those beasts of the field and those cattle and fowls of the air to Adam as the body. He had dominion, but there was not found an help meet for him. When you study those words, help meet, it doesn't just mean a wife. It doesn't just mean a bride, but it translates to mean a parallel partner or a comparable companion. The goal of bringing Adam a helpmeet was for her to be his equal opposite in the earth. It was meant for her to bring things to the table that Adam did not bring to the table. And Adam's role was to bring things to the table that Eve did not bring to the table. She was never a lesser than. She was never uh, more significant or less significant. But they were equal opposites in the earth. God is not here manifest in the flesh today as his body. But the bride is here and the church is here as his body. So that means that as Jesus had authority to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, we are his equal opposite in the earth. We are his representation in the earth today. That means you and I have authority over disease. And I wish I had somebody that believed that right now. That means you and I have authority over disease, over devils, over principalities, over powers, over the rulers of the darkness of this world, over those ancient spirits in South Dakota, over that agenda that the enemy is trying to push. We are not the lesser than. We are the equal opposite in the earth. 
There was no help meet for him. The New King James Version said that there was not found a helper that was comparable to him. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Thank you. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And the rib, that word rib there, that does not just mean that there's, there's a picture that those writers, those ancient writers were trying to portray, that Moses was trying to portray the word rib there. It is an architectural term in the Hebrew. Those rabbis viewed that word as an architectural term which refers to a structural beam used to put together a building and that word made there when it said made he a woman it literally translates to mean build so what God did was God put anesthesia if you could say it that way anesthesia on Adam and he began to perform surgery for him and when Adam was asleep he removed all of the necessary components in order to begin to build and to put together and to fashion a comparable companion and a parallel partner for the body of Adam in the earth. I want you to notice here today the similarities between the first man Adam and the last man Adam. The first man Adam went to sleep in the garden, but Jesus went to sleep on the cross. The first man Adam had his side cut open but Jesus was pierced with a spear in his side the first man Adam had a rib taken out of his side but the last man Adam had blood and water flow out of his side and with the first man Adam it was a rib that created a wife for him but with the last man Adam it was that blood and water that created a wife for the body of Jesus Christ can I tell you that when Jesus died on the cross and ascended into the heavens and poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. He has been cultivating and creating a bride for him in the earth. And I want to remind you, he didn't create a prostitute. He didn't create a harlot. He didn't create some perverted version of what a wife should be. But he created a church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. That's what he did. He created a church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. I think sometimes we view Adam being asleep in that garden as just, as just him going to sleep and God making an incision on his side and then pulling a rib out and blowing on it and all of a sudden there's a wife there. But the writer wanted us to understand that there was a moment of transition that took place. There was a moment of transition. This was a process that had to be unfolded in the body of Adam. There was a process that had to be played out. He went to sleep in the garden. That was a moment of transition. I have said it several times, but uh, transition, the emotion of transition is frustration. And the reason that the emotion of transition is, is frustration is because it's like you're caught in this end 
in between stage. You're not where you were, but at the same time, you're not yet where you're going. And I have felt in the Holy Ghost at this church that through the years you have dealt with great frustration. And that is just an indicator to you that you are in seasons of transition. You are not where you were, but you are not yet where you are going. And the season of transition for the body of Adam and for the body of Jesus was death. But I want you to understand here today that in times of transition, it is not just the death of one thing, but if it is the death of one thing, it is the development of another thing. And the children of Israel, they had great destiny. They had great promise. God said, there's going to come a day, Abraham, where your seed are as the stars of the heavens and as the sands of the earth. But they had to go through a time of transition before they could step into that promise. And it was known as the Red Sea. The Red Sea was a time of transition because they were no longer in the bondage of Egypt, but they were also not yet in the promised land. And Moses stood at the edge of that time of transition. And he said, those Egyptians that you see this day, you're going to see them again no more forever. That was the death of one thing. It is no coincidence that the Red Sea was a type of water baptism. That's why Paul said when you're baptized in Jesus' name, all things are passed away. That's the death of one thing. But all things are become new. That is the development of another thing. Aren't you thankful here today that when you went into those waters of baptism, it was a time of transition. The old man passed away and there was a resurrection of new life. Come on, whenever something dies in a time of transition, it doesn't just stay dead. There's a resurrection of something else. If depression dies, joy's got to live. If perversion dies, purity has got to live. If generational struggle dies, then generational blessing has got to resurrect. If apathy and despondency dies, then excitement Come on, this church has been in a time of transition and the Holy Ghost sent me here to say there's been a death of some things but there's about to be an awakening of everything you've been believing for. Come on, if you believe that, would you lift your voice in this house right now? Come on, give God some praise if you believe that. I understand. How long have you been here, Bishop? 17 years. I understand. I understand. I understand that it's not been an easy 17 years. I understand it's not been an easy seven years or an easy last five years. It's not even been an easy last 12 months. But I want this church to hear me in the Holy Ghost. God is not caught off guard by any trial of transition that you have gone through. But every trial of transition 
was factored in by the plan of God. This is a Joseph church. Years ago, God gave a man a dream, and people laughed at him, and people mocked him. The spirit world laughed at him, and the spirit world mocked him. But God said, I'm going to get that church where I told him I would get it, but I've got to put him through some trials of transition. Hey, Joseph, I know I gave you a dream. I know I gave you a promise, but in order to get you there, I've got to throw you in the pit. And once you go from the pit, you've got to go to Potiphar's house. And after Potiphar's house, you've got to go to the prison. But it's not going to stop at the prison. There's going to come a day I'm going to elevate you to the palace. And when Joseph's brothers came to him, Joseph looked at his brothers and said, you thought evil against me, but what you meant for evil, God turned it around and used it for his glory. You better hear me, Jesus Church. Every trial of transition has been factored into the plan of God. He's not caught off guard by it. He knows every accusation. He knows every enemy. He knows every sleepless night. He knew every church split that was going to happen. He knew every family. He knew every family that was going to walk out of those back doors. But I want to reiterate again, God was not caught off guard by any of it. That's why Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said that this man that was approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God have taken and by wicked hands have crucified him do you know what the counsel and the foreknowledge of God is in the Greek it literally means the plan of God what Peter was saying to the Roman soldiers was you thought that you took Jesus life but you didn't take Jesus life he laid down his life and Jesus said no man takes my life but I lay it down and if I've got the power to lay it down I've got the power to pick it back up again I want to tell this church the enemy's taking nothing from you God just laid his body down and if God laid it down he's got the power to pick it back up again everything that God has laid down he's about to reach down and pick it back up you've had people leave you but God's going to replace them. You've had people lie on you but the truth is going to be revealed that this is a church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. My God, I feel faith in this house right now. I wish there'd be somebody stand to your feet, lift your voice and say the devil is a liar. He let Adam name everything that was brought to him. Some of you have mislabeled the things that have happened to this church. 
Some of you have mislabeled the things that has happened to this church, and that was a problem that Peter dealt with with those Roman soldiers. He goes on to say, Who God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. That word pains there, it means birth pains. What Peter was saying to the enemy was you thought that it was a burial place, but God said it is a birthplace. What you thought come on you said that it was a burial place but God sent me by here to say everything you thought was dead it's not really dead it's just in an incubator it's just being molded and crafted to become everything that God has destined for it to be does anybody believe that here today that what has happened to you it is not death it is just a time of transition for God to develop some things in this church that will help you usher in the greatest revival my God come on somebody that will help you usher in the greatest revival this area has ever seen it's not a burial place it's a birthplace It's not a tomb, it's a womb. And you've mislabeled some things. You thought that it was dead, but the Holy Ghost sent me by here to say it's not dead. The damsel is not dead. She's just asleep. Adam, no matter how lifeless he was, he wasn't dead. He was just asleep. Jesus, no matter how lifeless he was, he wasn't really dead. Because when you're dead, you stay dead forever. He just died for a few days. He was really, he was just asleep in the womb. In the, in the, in the, in the womb. It wasn't just a tomb. It was a womb. And it was the very thing that God used to birth the body of Christ. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I know that this is a busy church. I know that you've got your hands and your feet moving toward revival in this city and revival in this county and revival in this district. But in prayer, in prayer, the Lord spoke to me and he reiterated here on this front row just a moment ago. He said, tell this church that they're about to wake up. I said, but God, what do you mean they're going to wake up? This isn't a lazy church. And the Lord spoke to me and said, it is not a sleep from laziness. It is a sleep from anesthesia. I let them go to sleep in some areas so that I could remove some things out of them. And whenever they wake up, they're going to be everything that I created and formed them to be. Come on, I need you to rally with this evangelist right now. There's about to be an awakening. It is high time for Jesus, church. Wake up, dream. Wake up, promise. Wake up, gifts. Wake up, revival. Let's lift our hands and let's pray in the Holy Ghost.
Jesus said, I got to let Adam go to sleep so I can start cutting on some things. I got to open him up and I got to remove some things. Because with the body, Adam could have dominion. He could subdue. But without a bride, he could not be fruitful and multiply and replenish. And as the body of Christ for the last 17 years, you've had dominion and you've been subduing some things. It seems like every time you turn around, he had a new enemy to fight. Whether spiritual or carnal, it's like at every corner. It's like at every corner, you've had a new devil pop its head up. You've had another person manifest the spirit of Jezebel. You've had another man or another woman rise up against you. You've had another ancient spirit in this city and in this state rise up against you. But the Holy Ghost told me to tell this church, Adam is about to wake up and when Adam wakes up he's not just going to have dominion there's going to be the deliverance of a baby he's not just going to have a body but there's going to be a birthing you're not just going to be militant you're going to be motherly Why do you think Jesus said, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. But if it bears fruit, he purges it so that it may bring forth more fruit. You want to know why this church has been cut on? It's because there were some things. There were some things. There were some people that were not bearing fruit. They were opposition. They had no heart to change. They had no heart to repent. They were given spaces of grace by the man of God and by the God of the man. But at the end of the day, they would not bear fruit. And so God said, it might hurt the body for a moment. They might see the effects of their absence for a moment. But they're not going to bear the fruit that I need them to bear. So i got to remove them. And if I can remove them, it will create space for other people to bear the fruit that is necessary for revival. And when you study the, the human body, you'll find out that before the age of seven years old, all of the marrow in the body is yellow marrow. Or all of the body is red marrow. It has the ability to reproduce life. It has all of those necessary components for life. But after the age of seven, that red marrow in the majority of the body begins to change into yellow marrow, which does not have the ability to reproduce life. When Scripture talks about the fatty bones, it's not talking about the red marrow. It's talking about the yellow marrow. It has no ability to reproduce. And in an adult human body, the places where there is still red marrow found is in the skull in the side, and at the ends of the arms and the legs. It is amazing to me, everywhere the body of Christ was pierced had the ability to reproduce life. Because God does not pierce what will not produce. God does not cut 
Well, I feel angels moving in this house right now. God does not cut what will not conceive. And it's like I see this church. It's like I see the body of a man laying on an operating table. I see this in the Holy Ghost. The Lord has revisited me with this vision several times since I've been in this building. And in prayer leading up to this meeting. It's like I see the body of a man laying across an operating table. And he's asleep. He's lifeless. He's not, there's no motion. There's no movement. And all of a sudden, I see the hand of a surgeon with a scalpel coming and cutting on that body. And there's one person being removed and there's one thing being removed and there's one family being removed and then all of a sudden I see the eyes of that man popping open and when he wakes up he's full of life he's full of passion I'm telling this church in the Holy Ghost every trial of transition you have been through has been nothing more than the operating table in the spirit world it has been the operating table for God to remove things out of his body that will create room for you to bear the fruit you are supposed to bear yeah you've seen glimpses of where you're going God's given you little flashes here and there of the revival he really wants to give you but you've not seen it in its fullness and its entirety the way you know it's coming the, the, those I call those prophetic kicks. God will give you glimpses of where you're going before you get there. That's why those children of Israel went into the promised land and came back with a cluster of grapes. And they gave their report. It's because God wanted to see how they, they would handle a vine before he gave them the whole vineyard. The reason God's given you glimpses of where you're going before you get there is because he wants to see how will they handle the vine before I give them the vineyard. And Elizabeth was six months with child. John the, John the Baptist was in her womb. And Mary had Jesus in her womb. And it was not known publicly that the Messiah was in the womb of Mary because man could not wrap its finite minds around the fact that that which had been conceived in the womb of Mary was not the seed of a man, but it was the seed of the Holy Ghost. And so when Mary walked up to Elizabeth and gave that salutation, the baby, it felt the presence of the Messiah in the womb of Mary. And the Bible said that John leapt in his mother's womb. Really, the terminology that should have been used there was he kicked. She felt the kick of the baby in her womb in response to the prophecy that was inside of Mary's womb. But the kick was not the kid. The kick was just a signal that there was a kid in the womb and what has happened is God has given you glimpses of things you have felt prophetic kicks you've had influx of souls that's a kick, you've had prodigals that have been promised that are going to come home and every time you have a move of God and the phone rings and it's that prodigal, that is a kick, you've had a flow of finances come but God's given you promise of greater finances and every time you see a little increase in the flow of finances, boom that is a prophetic kick but 
But the kick is not the kid. The kid has not been birthed yet. That's why you feel the kick. As long as you feel the kick, the kid is still in the womb. But if there's a kick, that means the kid is going to be born. You better hear me. Every kick you have felt, it is a signal to let you know every promise that I promised you is still alive and well. Every promise that I've promised you, it's still alive and well. Uh, There's a birthing that's going to take place in this room. There's a birthing that's going to take place in this room. This church has been cut on. But God does not cut what does not conceive. There's an awakening coming to this church. And it's not a sleep from laziness. It's a sleep from God's anesthesia. And he's been working on you. He's been removing things. He's been cutting things. He's been purging things. But God does not pierce what will not produce. Let's stand and lift our hands and let's pray. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. If you know how to pray, I'm asking you to really plug in and pray. This is not just corporate. This is personal. Some of you have been going through some things and you think it's the enemy, but really it's not. There's some dormant gifts in some of you. And God said, before I can let those gifts wake up, I got to cut some things out of you. I got to cut on your character. I got to cut on your integrity. I got to cut on some mindsets. I got to cut on some attitudes. Come on, you ought to begin to name the things that God has made you look at. You ought to begin to name some things that God has made you face. Listen, listen, I'm going to turn you loose here in a minute. Stay with me. I'm going to leave you with this, but I feel a prompting in the Holy Ghost to say this. There's something in the medical field called pseudosiasis. It's phantom pregnancy. 
It is a real diagnosis that doctors give women that are so desperate to have a child that that psychologically they can convince themselves that they're expecting. And they can work themselves up so much psychologically and emotionally that they can get to the point they even begin to bear symptoms of pregnancy, such as weight gain and morning sickness and certain cravings. And doctors say that the most easy and successful way to treat this diagnosis is to schedule an ultrasound with the woman and perform the ultrasound and then hold up the image of the ultrasound and show her that there is no baby in the womb. And the enemy would like to convince some of you that after 17 years, all this is and all what I'm preaching about is a bunch of emotionalism and something you're convincing yourself psychologically and emotionally that's going to happen that really is never going to happen. But God's going to show this, this church, this body, this bride that there is a baby in the womb. You're going to see the picture of the kid. And it is going to be birthed. But before it can be birthed in the natural, it must be birthed in the spiritual. Before you can see it realized and actualized, you must enter into a place in the spirit. And you must travail and intercede and birth things in the spirit. And that is the moment that God takes you there in the spirit so that he can get ready to take you there in the natural. As you begin to travail in the spirit, there's old promises that you're going to birth. There's old dreams and old visions you're going to birth. There's a flow of finances you're going to birth that God told you he was going to give you. There's a harvest of souls that you're going to birth, that God told you he was going to give you. And when you birth it in the spirit, it can then be realized in the natural. Are you ready? There's a transition taking place. You're not just the body of Christ. You've been fighting. You've been battling. You've got dominion. You've been subduing things. And now it's time to step into that nature of the bride of Christ and birth the revival that God wants you to have. Are you ready? Lift your hands and lift your voice. This altar's open. If you want to come to this altar, make your way to this altar. We don't need anybody disengaged. We need every prayer. I'm calling on every prayer warrior in this church. Every intercessor, every travailer, every prayer warrior. Hatala boho